Hello and welcome to Pod Academy. In this podcast, Tatiana Prorokova considers gender ambiguity in Vietnam War films. Vietnam War takes a specific place in the U.S. military history. Having influenced generations of Americans, the conflict unsurprisingly found a wide reflection in American cinema. The most famous as well as the most significant ones were the films created in the 1970s to 80s, including Michael Cimino's Deer Hunter, Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now, Oliver Stone's Platoon, Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, and Brian De Palma's Casualties of War. In these films, the directors aptly touch upon the questions of the army, war and morality, which are generally the key themes of war films. Yet, they also unveil the issue of gender representation, discussing the problem of masculinity. The issue of gender, precisely the problem of masculine power and female vulnerability, is one of the leading themes in these films. Interestingly, such issues as class, race and nationality apparently disappear in the brotherhood of war, while gender always remains a thorny question. What one can see in the films on Vietnam is that masculinity establishes itself as the only right and legitimate agency. Women practically do not appear in films on Vietnam, and even if they do, they are depicted as prostitutes, a role that serves to reaffirm masculinity as well. To erase femininity as it is, and strengthen the power of a masculine collective. And that's just what they'll do. One of these days these boots are gonna walk away. Hey baby! You. you got girlfriend Vietnam? Not just this minute. Yeah. Well baby, me so horny. Me so horny. You keep lying. Me love you, you a long time. You party? Yeah, you we might party. Examination of the above-mentioned films, therefore, allows me to contend that Vietnam War films overtly focus on the issue of gender, yet they celebrate masculinity and mock femininity. To illustrate the problem of mock femininity, I look over the representation of women in platoon, full metal jacket and casualties of war. First of all, it is important to mention that women always appear as individuals rather than in groups. We often see one woman, usually weak and dependent, surrounded by a group of men. For example, the prostitute in full metal jacket or the kidnapped Vietnamese girl in Casualties of War. What are you talking about? He's talking about she's a VC. She ain't. I'm telling you, Eric's... This ain't a VC. Clock ain't. Actually, he ain't no VC. Diaz ain't no VC. I ain't. I ain't no fucking VC. Now this. This is a VC. 
This technique visually helps directors oppose masculinity and femininity. A woman is always depicted as patently distinguished from a man. She is lonely and weak. Moreover, she is obviously the only one who does not belong to the world of war, which is made obvious from the way she is dressed, that is, she doesn't wear a uniform, and from the absence of any physical power that is indeed an important aspect in war. All the three directors draw a thick red line between women and men, and as a result between masculinity and femininity in their conventional sense. Therefore, Vietnam War films reject the idea of feminization that can be applied to men, strictly identifying it only with women. The issue is visually illustrated through images of demeaning and weak women, who men always have to try to separate themselves from, both visually and verbally, or exercise power over. Hence, male soldiers do not only clearly differentiate themselves from these women, but they also subdue any manifestation of womanliness in themselves. Notably, women appear as part of the Vietnam War only in two movies, Full Metal Jacket and Casualties of War. I do not consider Linda from The Deer Hunter because we see her only at the beginning of the film during the wedding and in the end when the war is over. Hence, she is never shown on the battlefield, but rather is represented as part of a domestic environment, taking a traditional female role in patriarchal society. Both Full Metal Jacket and Casualties of War, however, clearly support my idea that the main role the woman is given in a Vietnam War film is the one of a prostitute. This is made apparent in Full Metal Jacket as we literally see a female prostitute. Okay, ten dollars each. What do we get for ten dollars? Everything you want. The same idea is obliquely conveyed in Casualties of War, as the main female heroine is entirely disrespected, humiliated, physically and morally abused in the course of the film. Indeed, the kidnapped Vietnamese girl is literally treated as a prostitute and as an enemy. Here the issue of femininity is tightly linked to the moral issue that the film, where a woman becomes an ethic core, raises. The morality of this film, therefore, is transmitted through the way it depicts gender relations. In this case, it is obvious that the soldiers brutalize the woman not only because she is the enemy, since she is Vietnamese, but also to consolidate their image of male warriors, to prove that they are real men but not queers, to demonstrate how powerful they are and how weak and helpless the woman is. Erickson here don't want to ball the dink. How come? I don't know. He's a chicken shit. Is that it? Is that your problem, Erickson? Huh? No. So what is it? Maybe he's queer. Is that your faggot? Huh? Is that your goddamn problem? No. So what is it? Everybody else is up for this. Masculinity and casualties of war manifest itself through male power, aggressiveness, and ability to control, even if only in a physical way. Another important female character appears in Platoon, and that is Chris's grandmother. Although we do not really see her in the film, she plays a significant role, revealing Chris's persona that we can perceive through the letters he writes to her. The communication between the soldier and his grandmother is a very emotional part of the film. Somebody once wrote, Hell is the impossibility of reason. That's what this place feels like. Hell. I hate it already and it's only been a week. 
some goddamn week, Grandma. The hardest thing I think I've ever done is go on point three times this week. I don't even know what I'm doing. A gook could be standing three feet in front of me and I wouldn't know it. I'm so tired. We get up at 5 a.m., hump all day, camp around 4 or 5, dig a foxhole, eat, then put out an all-night ambush or a three-man listening post in the jungle. It's scary because nobody tells me how to do anything because I'm new. Nobody cares about the new guys. They don't even want to know your name. The unwritten rule is a new guy's life isn't worth as much because he hasn't put his time in yet. I don't think I can keep this up for a year, Grandma. I think I've made a big mistake coming here. The presence of a woman who takes over a traditional role of a mother makes the film a rather unusual one. First of all, because it reinforces femininity. Indeed, the role that a woman plays in Platoon is tremendously different from the ones played by women in Full Metal Jacket and Casualties of War, chiefly because the former one is a respectable one. Chris treats this woman with awe due to her importance to him, but perhaps also because of her age. Arguably, the woman's rather advanced age desexualizes her as a woman and thus does not allow men to treat her as a female in the full sense. She is not feminized or masculinized, but rather is depicted as a neutral character. Stanley Kubrick challenges this traditional division of women into prostitutes and mothers in Vietnam War films, presenting a Vietnamese female sniper, another type of women, that is, a female warrior. For the films on Vietnam that usually celebrate male power, displaying war as a game for men and never for women, this depiction is indeed atypical. Having shown first how a female sniper kills almost the whole platoon, Kubrick then focuses on the faces of the three survived soldiers who apparently cannot accept the fact that the person who killed their comrades is a woman. Kubrick's heroine therefore challenges the notion of masculinity, overtly suggesting the existence of female masculinity, which undermines the idea of inviolable male masculinity that is celebrated in all Vietnam War films. Having depicted such radically different female types, that is, a dependable, vulnerable prostitute and a strong, frightening warrior, Kubrick skillfully presents a multifaceted nature of femininity and obviously questions the idea of masculinity as a purely male prerogative. Yet masculinity in its conventional sense is mainly depicted through male characters. An interesting tendency that can be noticed in Apocalypse Now, Platoon, Full Metal Jacket and Casualties of War is that the films convey the idea of masculinity aesthetically, focusing on the representation of the male body. I support the claim of Michael Messner that the male body becomes a central idea of every Vietnam War film since it functions as a weapon, thus reflecting the revival of masculinity. The scholar argues that there is a common moment in all Vietnam War films, and I quote, The male hero is seemingly destroyed in an explosion of flames, and as his enemies love, he miraculously rises in slow motion from underwater, firing his weapon and destroying the enemy. focus on the male body is indeed strong in all four films. In Apocalypse Now it is Captain Willard who travels through Vietnam and Cambodia and finally reaches his aim, having got no wound at all. In The Deer Hunter it's Michael 
who saves his friends in Vietnam for a number of times and eventually returns home a hero. In Platoon, we witness the very theatrical death of Sergeant Grodin, who is first shot by his friend Sergeant Barnes, and later still being miraculously alive, runs away from Viet Cong's, falling onto the ground, standing up three times. The association of masculinity with superpower is very vivid here. And finally dies from the ceaseless fire, in a slow motion, his arms up, since last one and a half minutes. Metal Jacket is Animal Mother and Donlan, who are not just brave but also careless about them being killed. Yet, along with the aesthetical representation of masculinity, the films also demonstrate the ethical side. The issue of male power, therefore, becomes tightly linked with the problem of morality in war. In The Deer Hunter, according to Hellman, it is actually Michael who kills Nick, since it was Michael who made Nick play that game when they were captives, Thus, he made him risk death senselessly. In Platoon, it is Sergeant Barnes who kills Sergeant Grodin in cold blood and then leaves him die in the forest full of Viet Congs. In Casualties of War, Sergeant Meserve kidnaps an innocent Vietnamese girl to rape and finally kill her, thus showing the closest approximation of a moral hell in the current American mindscape. Significantly, all the films reveal the tendency to either abandon women, not focusing much on them, or not showing them at all, or to literally get rid of them. In Platoon and Casualties of War, we observe the sins of rape and murder, whereas in Full Metal Jacket, it is only the murder. These female victims serve nonetheless to deconstruct the male characters, rather than purely complain about female oppression. Through these murders, the audience first and foremost perceive the male characters. Investigating the problem of gender in Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, Susan White makes a very shrewd observation, and I quote, Woman is stroped in full metal jacket as the Virgin Mary, whose name is invoked in all seriousness by the drill surgeon, and simultaneously as the clerical shed from which the fighting men are trying to emerge so that they can become real men. Private Cowboy, Private Joker. Sir, yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. As soon as you finish your bunks, I want you two turds to clean the head. Sir, I want that head so sanitary and squared away that the Virgin Mary herself would be proud to go in there and take a dump. Sir, yes, sir! I'm a joker. Do you believe in the Virgin Mary? Clearly, women foster of regression must be destroyed, but we have seen that, to their confusion, the men find that in doing so they have also destroyed both the Virgin Mother and the warrior ideal that silently pervade the film's ideological structure. Out of the five films, it is only Platoon and Casualties of War that attempt to redefine masculinity, portraying it as the one consisting not only in heroic deeds and animal aggressiveness, but also in devotion, fairness, respect, and desire to protect friends and family. In Platoon, Chris is the character who possesses this kind of masculinity, as, on the one hand, he is a perfect soldier who fights for his country, 
while on the other hand, he's a loving grandson. Importantly, such a rare definition of male masculinity is achieved through the presence of a female character, that is, Chris's grandmother, the communication with whom helps the audience recognize this other side in Chris. That in the army would most probably be falsely taken for femininity or queerness, another aspect to add to the famous and widely noticed by scholars' estimation of masculinity through the notions of bravery versus cowardice. Additionally, the audience recognizes Chris as a good guy when he saves a Vietnamese girl from American soldiers who tried to rape her, saying that this is not right because she's a human too. Homosexual talent? What the fuck is your palm, Talent? It's the fucking thing. She's a fucking human being, man! Fuck you! Oh, fucking cherry, Talent. Fucking animal! All of you, you fucking animal! Fucking man. Fuck. You don't belong in the Nam, man. You think your place at all. Don't fucking get it, do you, man? You just don't fucking get it. Okay. In Casualties of War, only soldier Ericsson tries to do the right thing, explaining his will to protect the girl and later punish the ones who are responsible for her humiliating death. If I do nothing, she just vanishes. Cindy Fuchs argues that the character of Sean Penn combined both Sergeant Grodin and Sergeant Barnes from Platoon, a good and a bad father, as Chris calls them in the final voiceover. He's both a savior and menace. The crucial problem of the film is formulated in Ericsson's question to another soldier. If you were me, what would you have done? Indeed, the problem of moral responsibility is pending in the film. Although the ending of this moral tale, as Fuchs puts it, seems quite unrealistic, the film deserves to be called one of the best films on the Vietnam War as it touches upon very serious ethical issues that are part of not only the Vietnam War, but virtually of any other one. The problem of gender in Vietnam War films is therefore a very prominent one. The films traditionally celebrate the idea of male power, of so-called male masculinity. Yet, as some of the analyzed examples demonstrate, the issues of femininity and female masculinity are not abandoned by certain directors either. Thank you.